Martin, you don't. You're not talking through the thing in your head. I know. You I hold it because it's a habit at this okay. point to talk right. into my headphone jack. All right. You're totally. You're totally setting this up like it's a two-minute speed dating. Wow. No, no, no. Yeah, it's another one. Yeah, girls, them summer song. Yeah. Something. Hello, friends, and welcome to a tradition unlike any other: the Masters. No, I'm just kidding. Welcome to Idea Lemons. Discover your inner awesome podcast, the conversation show where every episode we sit down with entrepreneurs, musicians, creatives, and just flat out interesting people to help us all understand who the hell we are and how we put ourselves out there in this big, huge world. I am your co-host, Rajiv Nathan. I'm alongside Martin McGovern. And in this episode, we sat down with Chelsea Kastner, Chelsea is the founder of Just Ask Why, a strategic consulting company focused on helping brands better communicate and connect with members of Generation Y. The conversation we had with Chelsea was a question that I think a lot of us have in our minds as we start to gain any sort of success or as we start to put ourselves out there, and it's, what qualifies you to do this? You know, that voice in your head that always says this, or maybe the people out there who are asking you directly. What qualifies you to do this? Before we dive in, I want to remind you guys, if you're not already, subscribe to this show on iTunes and leave us a rating and review if you like what you hear. And also, head to idealemon.com and subscribe to our email newsletter where you get tips, stories, and advice on managing your life and career so that you can put yourself out there and get noticed. All right, enough of me talking. Let's dive right in. This is our conversation with Chelsea Kastner on what qualifies you to do this. Let's listen in. It's interesting because it's one of those questions that I don't want to say it catches me off guard, but every time I hear it, I'm thinking like, I wonder what this person's motive is for even asking this kind of a question. Uh, oh, you mean you phys- not like you hear it in your brain, your like ego asking you, why are you qualified to do this? You hear other people asking you? I hear other people asking me. Got and it. on top okay. of that, um, I am better now at with the ego part of it, um, mm-hmm. of not necessarily doubting myself, but I certainly have had those kinds of experiences too. But but if you, if your if your first thought was going down the ego route, I'm curious to know kind of what your interpretation is and your experience with this question is. Yeah, um, I definitely was thinking it from the ego route. I guess it pops up for me more in that sense, and I try to get over it before people have a chance to ask me <laughs> what makes me qualified to do this. Um, but yeah, I think it. I think it comes up for me in a really almost healthy way, in the sense like it shows me what my challenges are and where my fears still exist, and like what I need to overcome. Um, and it only helps me be better at what I want to do. So I kind of welcome it in a way. Like, it, yeah, it sucks when you doubt yourself, but then you're like, okay, like I gotta, I gotta do X, Y, Z to like squelch that thought. Mm-hmm. Was there ever a time that you just you like pinpoint like you felt this and and then achieved it? Was there any one moment you can think of? Yeah, I mean, even today, I was like. I was thinking about this podcast. I'm like, what qualifies me to do that? I'm like, I had to talk myself out of the question <laughs> of that we're talking about. I mean, yeah, I think it, it happens almost naturally for me. Um, I guess maybe you got the perfect expert on this topic because I face it a, a lot. Um, you know, I'm being a freelancer, I'm 
constantly questioning myself when I come into a, a new job and I don't ever let that show. It's just like normally my first gut reaction, like, oh my God, can I do this? And then I normally go back and, and show myself what I have done and, you know, I'll do research in the area that maybe I'm about to tackle so I feel more confident. I'll talk to um, friends about the subject. Um, so I, I can't pinpoint it, you know, this, it happened then, but I, I think it's a kind of a grounding thing for me. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's doubt is never a great feeling, but I don't let myself linger there long, which I think is the key. I think a lot of people probably feel this question come up with them, even if they have a full-time job and the boss says, okay, I want you to like give a presentation on this. I'm, I, I'm sure it happens a lot for people. Um, and it's almost like you're never given a task that you, you're not qualified to actually speak on or accomplish. I believe that. Like when something is handed to you, it's handed to you for a reason. And um, you just got to like build yourself up in whichever way um, you need to to feel confident. For me, qualified is, is kind of a synonym for um, confidence. I don't know if you guys feel that way. I was actually just about to ask that because I think the word qualified is interpreted different ways by different people and it's almost like what I had in my head when, when you started saying qualified was um, that, you've, that you're doing it. Um, mm -hmm. the, the biggest thing that I think separates people um, who are qualified from doing something and people who are unqualified from doing something is just the mere fact that someone chose to go out and do it. Mm -hmm. um, so you think about the you know early social media marketing experts or something like that. It's like the only reason they were the experts and they were qualified is because they were the ones in the space, um, you know, embarking in that new territory and trying. To yeah, and they work. were they were the ones competent enough to call themselves the experts. You know, it's like so people are like, oh, they must be the experts on it, and and <laughs> th that kind of fuels into each other and and the that energy starts building and they're like, yeah, I'm the expert on it. I know this and I can tell you that. And, and so that makes them the expert because they had the confidence to almost call themselves an expert. And I'm sure there was, they did their research and they had some sort. Yeah, it's not to say they were bullshit their way to the top yeah. or anything. Yeah, no. <laughs> Hopefully not. <laughs> yeah. It's like that movie, Catch, Catch Me If You Can, where he yeah, okay, pretends yeah. to so be a pilot and a doctor. There's not too many Frank Abagnales running around. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. So, but for everyone there is, there's a Tom Hanks chasing them, so they'll yeah. get caught. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So yeah, for me, quali like being qualified is really the confidence that, that you present yourself with on that goal, subject, topic, title that you want to give yourself. And, and, you know, work backwards from there. What do I need to feel confident to go after this? What do I need to feel confident to call myself an expert? And then fill in the holes. Like okay, I need to do research. Maybe I have to go back to school. Like if you want to be a doctor, you can't just, you know, read a textbook. Like you're going to have to go to school. So, so what are the, the steps that you have to take to feel confident and, and qualified, therefore, to, to actually do it? Yeah, and, and I, actually I love the Catch Me If You Can reference because he never said that he, he never did in any of those crazy stories. He never actually flew a plane. He never said right. he was qualified to fly a plane. All he said was, I'm qualified to dress like a pilot, act mm -hmm. confident, and be a pilot, and sit on the plane, and then you know go hook up some you know, stewardess. Or whatever. But, 
Um, my favorite scene is when he's he's playing the role of doctor, and he's just um, like, gentlemen, what uh, what seems to be the problem? Bicycle accident, fractured tibia, about five inches below patella. Hmm. Doctor Harris. Yes. Do you concur? Uh, concur with what, sir? With what Doctor Ashland just said. Do you do you concur? Uh, well, it was a bicycle accident. Um, the boy told us. So you concur? Concur? I think we should take an x-ray, then stitch him up and put him in a walking cast. Very good, Dr. Ashton. Very good. Well, you don't seem to have much need for me. Carry on. Blew it, didn't I? Why didn't I concur? <laughs> Funny. Yeah, I mean, in some ways, like he did have the confidence to like, to to fake that role. Like he he would have never had the confidence to perform that surgery, but he had the confidence enough to say like, put on that coat and just walk in there, and and people kind of paid attention to him because of that. Yeah, it's like it's like swagger gets you like onto the playing field, but you yeah. still have to be able to like field a ground ball. Totally, totally. Like, I wouldn't try to... You can't just strike out. Which is why he eventually got caught advocating (laughs) you fake it. (laughs) But but swagger can get you on level ground with other people if you don't think that you are necessarily qualified. Right, right. It gives you attention, and then it's your responsibility from there to, to do the work to actually present something that's worthwhile to people or perform what you need to do that is actually helpful. Well, and then you look at the flip side of it, right? You've got people who technically have all the expertise and have all the skills and everything to be qualified, yet they're not able to talk about it in a confident enough way or teach it to others in a way Mm -hmm. that they're qualified to do every aspect of it. So they may be stuck in execution, never in a leading role. Mm -hmm. Those are the ones who get frustrated, too, because they see the other people pass them by and they're like... I'm more qualified. Oh my god, I'm so much yeah, I'm so much more qualified. Right. I'm so much smarter than that person. But they're not the ones who are getting promoted or or having these opportunities open up for them because they don't necessarily you know, in an idea have, well, Yeah, have the co- they don't have the confidence. confidence. I mean, you look at like the million life coaches that are popping up these days. It's like you could pull all of them and a, and a and a percentage of them went to like some sort of certifica- certification process and somebody was trained by another life coach and then somebody just was like, I give rad advice to my friends and I'm mm-hmm. totally qualified to be paid for it. You know, it's like, it's, and so they're all, they're all doing the same thing and they all have different ways that they have qualified themselves to do it and whatever they had to do to feel qualified and confident is what they had to do. So some people are a little more ballsy and just have that natural like swagger as you said and and people pay attention to them and other people need a little more you know stronger backbone or i don't, I don't know if that's the right word to say but but like need a little more um meat behind them to feel that they have the skills to do what they want to tell the world that they're doing that's the that's the ideal of an approach so like last year we did about uh, i think about a half year six months of of personal brand coaching and it wasn't because we had any sort of certification it was just that we basically took the parts that worked well in our own lives and that we saw, we observed out of others and combined that into one like mini curriculum. And, and we kept testing it. Though, yeah. Because I think the big, the big difference going back to what makes you qualified is it, it's that you're the one doing it. Right. Um, mm-hmm. The thing that made me feel qualified to do that and 
because I, I, you know me, I'm very safe and I don't like to just do things like this podcast. I truly didn't, I've said this before, I did not feel qualified to do a podcast, so I was going to keep us stuck in the ideation phase for a while mm -hmm. until you just recorded one of our conversations. Um, and so, <laughs> sneaky, sneaky. Exactly. And so, and, and kind of the same thing is I wouldn't have felt qualified coaching people if we hadn't taught workshops for mm -hmm. you know, a couple of years at that point right. and, and done all the things that we had done up to that point. But the qualification to do that first workshop, we even made sure to say like, this is based off of you know, our experiences. And, and, mm -hmm. and that's so key. I think that authenticity of like of, of owning what, what your expertise is, is so transparent to people. I, people can feel that. And that makes them even more confident in you. I mean, if I were to start talking about, you know, Roth IRAs and 401ks, I, I'm not an expert at that. Like people are going to totally be able to like feel the phoniness of me topping, talking on the topic, even if I think like, oh my God, it's hot in the news now, I have to like produce a blog about it. Like it's not authentic to me. So that's really important to like make sure you're talking about things that you've either experienced or you know about. And even if you don't know much about it, talk about the level you do know it at. Like, okay, well, my dad's a financial planner, so he forced me to have a Roth IRA. This is how he's explained to me. Like, I'm never going to try to be a financial planner when I'm not. Mm -hmm. And that's why I read Ramit Sethi's I Will Teach You to Be Rich. Yes. Because <laughs> that's, that's, that's how I learn all that stuff. But I'm not, <laughs> and that's how you will become rich. Exactly, exactly. And I don't, I don't have any interest in having conversations with people about Roth IRAs, but I know mm -hmm. that I read what someone told me worked well and I trusted his opinion. Yeah, and it, you know, I ended up opening yeah, up my I, own Roth IRA. As I think he, he made a joke about Cap One cards on Facebook today like or yes. Capital One. Yeah, he's like, and for God's sake, don't get a Cap One card. And I looked at my wallet and I was like, maybe I should get rid of my Cap One. Card. I know you just said that. I'm like, oh my God, just rid of my Cap One card. And I was like, damn it! Like he's like even his offhanded jokes that he just posts on social media for no reason at yeah. all, as like a sub point to his actual point influence me which is mm -hmm. kind of crazy right because he's already built that trust with you and and I think that's also a great point to make like once you're in with someone and they trust you like you have a really awesome power but you also have a really important responsibility to them mm -hmm. you know like they trust you so what you say to them they're gonna they're like they're gonna look in their wallet and say shit I have a capital one card and run to the bank and cancel it so like there has you have to also have a responsibility to the people now that are listening to what you say and, and trust that you are qualified on this subject. Trust is huge, yeah. I'm glad you brought that up because <laughs> once someone once someone trusts you, then you you just have that like honest dialogue with them. And you're able to say, by the way, you know, let's say it's they ask you something that's out of your quote unquote scope, you're able to tell them because you have this, you know, open communication. Hey, I'm not totally sure about that. And you can either say, let me get back to you after I do some research, or here's something you can take a look at that would help you with that. Because yes. people value, I think, more the openness than the know-it-all approach. Totally, totally. I can't I can't tell you how many times I'll say something like that. Like, oh, I definitely know where to look up that information and I can I can get you something really good on it, but but give me a few days or whatever. Yeah, because they're looking for your reasoning and your approach more than they are the actual answer. Mm. Um, I think that's why we all look to each other for different things. Um, 
we all have different, you know, personalities, different things that we excel at and different um, areas of interest. And, you know, I might go up to Raj and ask about rap music and he might not know about, you know, well, you probably know about every aspect of rap music by this point. Not but, all. <laughs> but I might ask you about some rapper you've never heard of, but I'll trust your opinion when you tell me whether or not he's, you know, someone yeah. I should purchase a CD or not. Yeah. Well, right. And on that note, too, it's no pun intended on that note. silly silly um what i used to do i'd say in like high school ish was because i like you know rap was what i really loved and listened to and people kind of knew me for you know like my at the time like my love of like tupac which i don't totally have anymore but um anyways (laughs) the the thing I would do in, when someone would like ask me about a rapper or a particular album or song was if I hadn't heard it, I would just kind of like make up that I had heard it or that I did know about it just so I could sound like I was smart about it. So it would be like, oh, yeah, like, have you heard that one Bone Thugs and Harmony song or that one Bone Thugs album? And it's like, in my mind, I'm like, you know, I like Bone Thugs, but I've never really taken the time to, to go out and, and to really listen to their catalog. So although I'm telling you, yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about, in my mind, I'm like... I'm going to assume I know what the album cover might look like. And and that person is then going to go listen to it and be like, this kind of, well, not bone thugs because they're awesome, but like this kind of sucks. And they're going to stop trusting your judgment. I think that that's where the fatal error. Yeah. The onus comes back to you. If you, if you're just, you know, giving music recommendations to someone for fun, like they're a friend, fine. But if you're actually trying to do, you know, what a lot of people try to do with their side hustles or with the life coaching you said earlier, um, you can't just offhandedly answer questions. Anyway. Right. You have, mm-hmm. in order to build that trust, you need to not only be completely honest with what you know and authentic, but you also have to have some sort of results yeah. behind it, some right. sort of thing to say, I tried it in this respect, and maybe my friend also tried it, and we both got this result. Exactly. So maybe it'll work for you as well. And like, and, sorry, sorry. you know, I was just gonna say, and today, like. There's so many offerings out there in like the health, self-help, career building sphere that it's even more important now that you're even more authentic because people's like bullshit meter is like through the roof. Like they can tell when someone's not being authentic or it someone's smells like, like it. Yes. <laughs> it is. Yeah. So, so like even more today, like you have to be so open and honest and vulnerable and authentic with your people because that's why they'll choose you over the 10 other people that they could choose. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Legitimately, three, four days ago, I had a friend text me and be like, hey, have you listened to the new Earl Sweatshirt album yet? And like old me would have been like, oh yeah, I love it, I love it. <laughs> like, like eventually I'll listen to it. But, but like now that I know, like that's kind of like, I don't know how to say stupid, but it's just, it's not the right approach. Now I'm like, I text him back, I go, I, go, I heard it was fire, but... I haven't listened to it yet. I'll try to check it out this weekend. And he was like, cool, man, you're going to love it. Like this one song, I really like it. Like basically just, I feel like it described my life. And so now it's almost like maybe that would have come up otherwise uh, had I been like, yeah, I've listened to it. But it's, uh, but because I'm just telling him like, I haven't listened to it and I do want to get to it. He's, he'll, he's still going to come back to me and be like, awesome. I, I know you're interested in this now. And I want to tell you this one song speaks to me. Chef sweaty brazing your faculty Face getting gray from the ash But I'm laughing as for tracing me nigga Fuck out my face while I'm thinking Ain't step foot up in my mama place for a minute My day's numbered 
focus heavy on making the most of them Feel like I'm the only one pressing to grow upwards Still fuck you and whoever you show up with You tryna see an image some steady your hands Who you calling your man? Bet you thought he was solid you really just sand washing away with the water I'm a land man, we're staying away from the altar Shit changing to August In the wake of that August Last autumn the leaves fell and I raked in the profit Disobeying the doctor The good guy prescribed fate never caught him Chasing these rabbits, whole face in a faucet yeah. And I don't know who else to call home lately I hold my phone break, let it ring Toe to toe with the foes, new and old basic hoes Trying to cage them like the pole When I run, don't chase me And I don't know who else to call home lately I hold my phone break, let it ring Toe to toe with the foes, new and old basic hoes Trying to cage them like the pole When I run, don't chase me Right, because you you kept the you kept the conversation open rather than like being lying, and then all of a sudden the conversation you're going to be scared to have it more, so you're going to shut down the conversation. Oh, yeah. And and also people love to be the people to tell you like the new news. So if you say no, I haven't heard about that, or I don't know that news story that you're talking about, they like that's their favorite thing in the world is to be the what to be the informer, like to be the one in the know. So. <laughs> It just it just probably builds your relationship even more. Like, oh, you like friends love giving me book recommendations because, like, you know, they feel great that they read this book before me and they can tell me it's awesome. So it's it's good in that sense where you give other people the chance to also shine, maybe. Unless they start talking about Game of Thrones, which I haven't <laughs> seen yet, and if you ruin it for me, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Aren't you like late to the game? Like, oh, I've watched Game I've never, of Thrones. I've never I, I don't know. I who knows pop culture. Going back to what you were kind of saying with, there's you really have to be authentic because you know there's a hundred other people doing the same thing as you, and mm -hmm. that kind of brought up an idea in my head of who are the people that the experts that we do look up to because there are lots of people qualified to do pretty much any job. And so why do I choose Ramit over the next guy? Why do why does one someone maybe choose Marie Forleo over the next personal branding or um, you know create a business I'm not create sure. a business you love type of a person? And it really kind of comes down to like who's qualified to teach me based mm -hmm. off of my interests and the things that I like. Yeah, totally. You nailed it. And I think everybody has their own platform that they stand on. You know, like Tony Robbins has a huge platform. Oprah has a huge platform. Marie and Ramit have pretty big platforms. Like, stand on the platform that you're given and be like in awe that you were given that platform. And and the people that find you, you know. Um, and as you said, like people will find their way to whoever they find their way to, and that's supposed to be the people that are their teachers. Um, I think it's just it's being true to yourself and following the path that's kind of highlighted for you, which is is a difficult subject to talk about because I think a lot of people our age get kind of screwed up of like, how do you follow your path and, you know, what does that look like and how can I trust that I'm on my right path? But, but if you just relax and trust, you will follow into whatever teacher you're meant to be with. And that's really, that's really important. I'm glad you said that because I think what a lot of people assume is that you need to have 
all these credentials to your name and all these letters after you know like md phd dds you know like every type of every mm-hmm. type of degree possible i read a linkedin profile and they're like i intend to have the entire alphabet after <laughs> <laughs> whereas it's really about who speaks to you because like you said there's there's tons of people that are doing the same thing there's like no information is new it's just a matter right. of how how do you choose to present that information and mm-hmm. when someone like like Martin, your question was like, who do we learn from? Or who do we like look up to? Like Ramit Sethi for me, and I know for you too, is someone that I like kind of like religiously follow because for him or to me, he's someone who he has that authenticity. He's always bringing like real life stories into the picture, and he has that like no bullshit like you know he's not trying to be too frou frou with anything. He just tells it like it is. And yeah, he has his credentials, but like, honestly, it doesn't matter to me that I, I think he has a Stanford MBA yeah. mm-hmm. or is an undergrad. I, I, I don't even know, but I know he went to Stanford, but to me, like Stanford is like the last thing on his list for me of what matters. Well, so it's, right. it's funny because for him, he says, you know, he preaches this whole, you don't need qualifications and credentials mm-hmm. thing. And that's where this whole idea got into our heads, you know, years back. And what I find interesting with, with him and with, um, you know, Tim Ferriss and all these people is they may not have the, you know, school credentials or the certification credentials, but they have like, I interned for Seth Godin. I worked at Google. I have a New York Times bestseller. I think that's the biggest credential that all these guys use and hold on to the right. most because mm-hmm. um, they put it in every single email, New York Times bestseller. Mm-hmm. Blah, blah, blah. And so I think that it's funny because they they hold on to that as their credential, but they also then talk about how, oh, but getting that New York Times bestseller list is all political and bullshit, and I don't want to go through that again, so I'm not going to write another book. And they like complain <laughs> about it. And it's just very, it's a very interesting thing between the credentials that people get and sort of the internal like this doesn't actually mean anything. I need well, to get it for other people. I think what they mean is, I think what those big name credentials are essentially is like a foot in the door. Like it's it's a way to for someone to to trust you, but it doesn't keep you. Like I'm sure I've read many authors who have New York Times bestsellers, but I don't remember their name. But it's the people that got me that way, but kept me because of what they had to say today and who they are as a person and what they stand for and their values and how they deliver content to me. So. They might catch you some way, but they keep you hooked by who they are as a person and and you trusting with that trusting that their values and morals are aligned with yours. I think the yeah the content piece of that is huge, as opposed to the name aspect of it. And it, it, it in a way, I suppose it doesn't benefit you, the quote unquote expert, by people not necessarily attaching the content to the name. But at the same time, if your interest is just getting your message out there, mm-hmm. I think it all comes back full circle at some point. Like, you know, last year when I did my TED Talk, I thought going into like, my 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 vision of that was like, oh, I'm going to do this, and then like everyone's going to know who I am. Hmm. And it's like, you know, it happened, and the, the life YouTube goes video, on. Yeah, you know, <laughs> life goes on. the YouTube video it's comes out there. a couple months later. It's still sitting somewhere around like. 2,000 views, which like half of that is probably my family. <laughs> and, and the computer you set up to constantly click. Yeah, exactly. I just keep hitting refresh. <laughs> um, it's, it's, it's hits, not unique views. Um, but, but with that, 
you know, it's not like everyone has seen it or anything like that, and, and I don't necessarily, like, I, I kind of use that card as necessary. Like, I don't, like, tote, oh, yeah, I gave this TED Talk on, like, everything that I do. It's just, it's, it's when, I, I have it in my back pocket for when I need it, but going back to the message part, what's kind of cool for me is that I've had, like, one or two times where I have met someone for the, in the past year, I've, had, I've met someone for the first time and started talking to them, and... For some reason, I'll, I would be like, oh, yeah, like, you know, I actually, I gave a TED Talk on that last year, and that's what I, I, I brought up that specific point, and then we start talking a little bit more, and they're like, oh, wait, you're the guy who gave that talk. Like, <laughs> See, I I'm don't like, think it's cool should, to be that guy sometimes. <laughs> I don't think you should bury it, though. I think, like, I think that's an awesome accomplishment, and people want to celebrate other people, especially their peers that, you know, they feel they relate to. They want to celebrate their accomplishments, and you know, maybe, maybe it's not something to brag about or say like, oh, I'm, I'm better than you on this topic, but it's something like cool. Well, it's not, Raj, it's Raj not. I need you to take off the, I gave a TED talk shirt. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> it's a little obnoxious. No, it's not, it's, I don't mean it as like, I bury it. I just mean like, I don't try to hang my hat on it. And right. I, like, I don't use that as like my, yeah, it can't be your only thing. It's, right. You know, it's like, that's not like, yeah. if I was like running for president, like that's not my platform. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. But yeah. And you know what the thing is, like the more people you reach, like that, that number in your TED talk is like, it's what you said then is still relevant, you know, five, 10 years ago, I'm sure if it came from like a good place. And I, I'm, I can only imagine that that number is going to increase. Like it's still great content. I haven't listened to it. I probably should, but I, I'm assuming it's great content. <laughs> but yeah, I'm sure you'll enjoy it. And then, well, like that's well, that's what, fine though. And, then and you'll have just... 2001. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but that's part of what, that's kind of like, <laughs> damn it. Uh, <laughs> but that's what's like interesting about this too is as part of like the idea of qualifying yourself. It's that when you take an active interest in something, you want to consume like the entire wealth of knowledge. So, you know, like it doesn't hurt my feelings at all that you have not watched it. Because right. I have, you know. It's like, more of a personal thing to begin with. Yeah. Like, and it's it's like, a personal milestone that you're trying to achieve to show that, to show yourself that you're making progress, reinforce your own confidence, um, make you actually take the ideas you have and clarify them in a way that's digestible people yeah because if you don't and you have all these ideas in your head and you never actually sit down and like that's why they have standardized tests it's there's all this information out there try and see if you can do it all in a test now there's a lot of people <laughs> no, who, there's a lot of debate there's a lot of debate over standardized <laughs> testing but there's not a lot of debate around like can you give a clear presentation and mm -hmm. if you can that means you understand the material right and right. and that's a personal checkbox so that the next time someone asks you about vulnerability which your TED talk was about, I remember. And <laughs> you can talk about it because, God, I hope that was right. Um, yeah, it was. <laughs> <there we go. laughs> because, because um, you know, you've put in the legwork, you've sat down with groups of friends, you've gone through the effort of trying to take a lot of ideas and consolidate them into a small speech. Regardless of whether it's TED, regardless of whether it's anything else, the fact that you did that gives you more confidence. And, yes, and which makes you feel qualified. Yes, which makes you feel qualified. And I don't want to necessarily like keep going on and on about my specific talk, but we did this. I, I, this that just hit me that it came up the episode we did with Susie Alvarez. Um, one of the things that came up was I was like, "Hey, Susie, do you remember?" Because I think she was there. She she came to that, didn't she? Yeah, yeah. Um, I was like, "Do you remember like the title of my TED talk?" And she was like, uh, "Or like or like specifically what the talk was about?" 
And she was like, um, well, I, I, I really remember like this one part about it. And I was like, and that's cool. So like, it doesn't mm-hmm. matter. Like, I think where we get caught up um, or get frustrated a lot of times is trying to make sure people know like, exactly what you're saying or that they know you for one particular thing. But, but to me, what's better than that is when someone takes it in their own way and you know, uses the information as they see fit. Like when someone can take an idea I've presented and repackage it for their own understanding, like that means you've, you've really conveyed a message. Yeah. Instead of I, just having them regurgitate back something they heard. Right, right. And, and I would even say like, yes, being on that stage was such a personal milestone for you, but like it was so much more than just you. Like that's by you being up there and doing your thing and showing that, you know, you have the confidence to be up there is uplifting for all of us that want to be on that stage too. So yeah, it, it was for you to put on your like, you know, your courage list or what qualifies you list. But it's also so important for all of us to see somebody, one of our peers speaking their truth and speaking something that they're passionate because then it gives me the courage like, okay, I, I saw him do that. So, so it must mean that with experience and practice, I can do it too. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and I really like, cause as you, as you try and build that experience and build that confidence and you look up to the people around you. Um, we were just talking to our friend, Ben, who's on a previous podcast. And he said he went to this huge event, this gala event surrounded by millionaires and all these, and, uh, and, 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 and pro, pro, or NFL Hall of Famer and Supreme Court Justice Alan Page. Yeah, <laughs> uh, he was very proud of that. And he he was just basically saying like, uh, it was one of those nights where you get home and you just you want to try it so much harder. You know, yes. you you look at these people and you're just like, it's not like they're they have any more hours. The whole like Beyonce only has 24 hours in the day too. Right. Uh, but like you know, there's there's something invigorating about looking to the people around you and just saying, oh, I know what your life is like. I could do that too. Right. And that's what they say, like surround yourself with people that you want their life or you want what they have. And that just is the whole, like, so that means going to more networking events or it means, you know, joining a group or being in a certain class or whatever it is. You have to find that's part of the whole, like feeling qualified is being around people who are qualified and maybe a field you're interested in or have the confidence in their own fields like that you need to be around those people in order to emulate that yourself. Yeah. And that's where like, you know, like we are firm believers in having like mastermind groups and mm-hmm. just like, you know, I, in high school we had some, you know, you always have like those like bogus ass speakers that come into high school where like, you know, you're, you're in high school. So like, you don't really care. I'm sure they're fine, but like, you don't really care what they're saying. Right. <laughs> you're just like, did they bring the Bosco the sticks? Then I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> but one, one of the guys that did come in that I, I do remember was, uh, he was talking about this concept of, he called them basement people. Mm-hmm. And it was that he's like, you probably have a basement person as a friend. And he says, a basement person is someone who like their whole like mindset and outlook like they're like they're not even on the ground floor like they're in the basement and they don't feel happy unless they brought you down into the basement with them right and, and that's and I was like the second he said that I was like I can think of exactly this girl that I know who's <laughs> who's yeah, a basement person yeah everybody who comes to mind and you're like shit how do I distance myself quick yeah 
And also but, known as internet trolls. Yeah. <laughs> and then later on, a couple years ago, I was in New Orleans taking like a haunted ghost tour, and this guy was the, the tour guy was like, "I believe in vampires, and I believe in energy vampires." And or he's like, "These are the people who suck the energy out of you because they're so consumed yeah. with their own, you know, whatever." Are people shit. called like good angels and bad angels? But real quick, on the point of like having assemblies in school. <laughs> they were always so boring normally, but one time, and this is a true story, there was an assembly and it was about like revolutionary war heroes. And there, I didn't even know this, but my like great, great, out on that so hard. <laughs> <laughs> my great, and they were like, you know, reenacted scenes or whatever, but they did a whole segment on like my great, 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 great grandpa. Like no they're way. like cannonball Kastner. And no I'm like, and I'm like looking at my brother who was in the, like the same school of me. And I'm like, wait, like Kastner, like, can you spell that please? And, and it turns out I called my grandpa and he was like, oh yeah. So like the whole <laughs> school got an assembly lesson on my like ancestor, which I thought was pretty awesome. <laughs> Conversely, we had one of those types of like, quote unquote, reenactment days um, where it was more Civil War times. And one of the dudes who was at, it was the actor up in the front, he legit started his like his set by saying, the school's already paid me, so you can decide if you want to listen or not. I don't really care. <laughs> we're like, that is honest. Really just say this? <laughs> Authenticity. He's so qualified, he doesn't give a shit whether yeah. you listen or not. <laughs> How many fucks does he give? Zero <laughs> fucks. And I'm sure people probably paid more attention to him because they said that and was like, this guy, it rocks. <laughs> and you know, it's funny, though, because it's like everyone is like doing their best to not break character. And then yeah. he's just like... Guys, okay. like, I'm wearing a costume and I don't give a shit. <laughs> so great. <laughs> Meanwhile, my assemblies had this cool, colorful parachute that you would. <laughs> well, Are you talking sick. about like what you used in your like first grade with the color parachute? Like everyone holds like a yeah, a it was the best oh, yeah, part of like, school. Yeah, like, tennis ball. You gotta like get through the middle. I'm just kidding. Around. We did. Oh, we had say, one... like you did that in high school. Like <laughs> we had. We had what special school shows. were you in? Uh, I don't want to go into it because I'm not very qualified. Uh, no, we had we had one man reenactments of of plays. It was very interesting. Oh. Interesting. A one man. And, you know, and you've seen. I don't know if you've seen me, but I do a hell of a one man reenactment of R. Kelly's "Trapped in the Closet." Oh, that's a good one. <laughs> I love I the reaction. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> yes, you can. Okay. <laughs> so, getting back on track. Right. A I slight think... detour down assemblies. <laughs> <laughs> I want to jump back to, and this kind of relates to the to the "Catch Me If You Can" stuff, but only by kind of the titles he was assuming. I think uh, when we look at the question from the external perspective as opposed to the internal perception, so mm-hmm. like when someone is thinking, oh, what makes this person qualified to do this? Or when someone asks you, what makes you qualified to do this? I think what's funny or interesting is that these kinds of questions don't come up if there is a concrete degree for it or a concrete like university-type right. curriculum. So if someone says they're a doctor, no one's ever going to ask a doctor, what qualifies you to be a doctor? Someone's right, a pilot. exactly. What qualifies you to be a pilot or a lawyer uh-huh. or a financier or anything like that? But then when, you know, I might tell someone, oh, yeah, we, we help people with personal branding and getting their side projects off the ground. Then it's like, well, I know there's not a four-year university for that. So then they're like, okay, so what what qualifies you to do this, man? <laughs> mm-hmm. Or how did you get started on that? Or what does that look like? You know, I, I've never heard, like, what qualifies you, but... But there's roundabout questions that people are certainly asking that in a sly way. I legit had someone, um, Martin, when we were at that event at the Art Institute last year, 
That's, I hated that event so much, man. It was like, <laughs> hey, you learned from it, though. Yeah, God, I did. I hope none of your listeners are like the founders. <laughs> to all the people that are Art Institute, I enjoy the Art Institute. <laughs> I enjoy the Art Institute. That event, Wait, though, it was Roger's like, opinions on this podcast are his. <laughs> yeah, and his, his mine and mine alone. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I don't know, but it was like, I don't know, it was like this thing called First Fridays where uh, they open up the contemporary wing of the Art Institute. And it's like, it's And a they Friday throw night. a pretentious party. Yeah, it's a Friday night. They mm. throw a pretentious party. It's 12 bucks for a drink, but you have to go into the drink ticket line first, get tickets for your drink, then go to the bar and give them your ticket. Oh, to I forgot drink. about that. Yeah, I didn't and it's that. like all these people who just like want to act like they care or have an interest in art, myself included, but mm-hmm. don't really, and just instead just want to have a little like cocktail hour. And it just, right. it was so over the, like one girl was in like a prom dress, I'm pretty Conversely, sure. Conversely, the Magritte one was great, but. Okay, I didn't on. go to that. My one experience was negative. Anyways, this one girl I was talking to um, at the event, she was like, I, you know, I kind of told her, I said, yeah, like I have my own company and we help people with personal branding. And like, not even joking, like she like snapped back. Oh, wait, what qualifies you to do that? And it, and it was in like a, like a, like a, who are you kind of, mm. kind of tone. And I, I don't remember exactly what I replied with, but it was something to the effect of just honestly just having a deep interest in this stuff and wanting to learn as much of it as I can and impart that knowledge on others and share that with others. And she was like, it, was, it wasn't like a touche, but she kind of like came off of her high horse for a second and was like, okay, so like, who do, who do you help? And then I just kind of like very like calmly just talked her off of this like, who the fuck are you kind of kind of uh, disposition. Well, it was clearly just like a strong insecurity in herself. Yeah. I think I think that's I think you'll probably get that from people who are maybe trying to build their own thing and they're insecure that they're not qualified, so they want to question you on it. And I think um, I think there's and there's two sides of that. There's of, of getting defensive about it. There's the person who hears that. So that girl hears that from me or I say I do personal branding. She says what qualifies you to do that? In her mind, she's getting defensive, and I think it's for a it's because of a lack of of understanding of the subject or like or, or comprehension of the subject. Mm-hmm. Conversely, though, I think it's very easy for the person who is you know you know in my case, I say I work in personal branding. For people who are in my position, I think it's very easy to also be the person to get defensive because someone asked you what qualifies you to do that, and that, and part of that is being less emotionally grounded, but a, a lot of it is, I think, getting defensive is also rooted in your own, maybe, um, lack of confidence in your understanding of the subject. Right. Right. I, I, I do think it's interesting, too, because you see people look at celebrities, right? And a celebrity, like, a singer will try and be an actor, or an actor will try and be a singer, or um, James Franco will paint. And people will be like, look at that person. They're not a painter. They're an actor. Stick to your thing. Like, how come you're going to go try and claim you're a painter now? Because you've painted a few things. They look like crap. Blah, blah, blah. I heard this from someone. This I'm not just making this up. <laughs> and I was sitting there and I was listening to this person. I'm like, what is it that is fueling their just like... I mean, agitation. This agitation towards someone who is clearly an artist in many in many ways. Mm-hmm. Um, has many forms of artistic expression, um, and and I don't think it's that James Franco was like standing there saying like I'm selling paintings for tw- tw- you know twenty grand, come buy one. He was just like I paint in between shoots and and things like that, and it was a very interesting reaction of 
maybe thinking people should stay in their box or only stick to what they're qualified to do or only stick to what they were trained to do um, that I think is very limiting for both um, the person kind of expressing it because they're frustrated because they're stuck in their box potentially or to the person who is trying to break out of their shell and has people coming at them saying like, no, 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 get back to doing the work that you're supposed to be doing. Yeah, I think that goes back to like other people's insecurity that I think you nailed it. Like people think that they have to stay in a box and I think that is ultimately like the death penalty in the world. Like when you feel like you can only do one thing and you can keep doing it and keep doing it, it's like that's death. Like you got to keep expanding and growing and things that scare you, like go for that and try and, and you know, dabble in painting if that's what you're into, dabble in and you know, weightlifting, who knows? Like, just just keep growing and expanding and, like, don't stay in a box. Don't ever make a box for yourself. And I think the people that are angry at people who have, you know, multiple platforms and hobbies and um, call themselves multiple names are just feeling, you know, a little dead in their own life. So why does somebody else get to have fun when I don't? Yeah, that's that's a huge part of it. And it might and it's probably more of a subconscious thing than anything. Like no one's really going to admit that they are dead in their own life. But, right. <laughs> but it, there's some clearly like you've been like wronged in some way that mm-hmm. makes you spiteful of, of that kind of success or that kind of transition other people are making. Right. And I'm, right. And I'm, I'm a person who's making the transition side, like the James Franco example or, you know, like Joaquin Phoenix or like Jack Galifianakis, those people. Um or and I think my goal is just to incorporate wrestling into every podcast. <laughs> but like with with The Rock, who I love, like that dude starts in wrestling and then he launches into acting. He, you know, he dominates mm-hmm. his his nickname in Hollywood is Franchise Viagra because he, you know he gets five more movies out of the Fast and Furious <laughs> series. He gets, That's great. You know, two more GI Joes out of that, whatever. Uh, and. I look at someone like him or, and I was just doing research on like Drake as well. Um, and what well, Drake these... started from the bottom. Though. <laughs> yeah. No, but honestly, even with that though, like that was always my, my, my tiff with him was like, dude, you were on like a TV show when you were 10 years old. Did you really start from the bottom? But then I read an interview with him and he's like, people get pissed about that, but everyone has a bottom, right? It doesn't have to right. be, it's not like I was hustling. I wasn't dealing drugs. I wasn't broke. But everyone has a bottom. So for me, right. that song is about the bottom I started from. Mm-hmm. But um, when you look at the people who do make the transitions, um, there are there's a quote from The Rock and a very similar one from Drake. Like one of the things they say, I'm, I'm paraphrasing because they both say it in different ways. But basically, what they what they have said is, by and large, and this goes back to what we said at the beginning, Chelsea. By and large, one of the hardest things to do is be comfortable being authentic with yourself. Mm-hmm. And that's such a key part of it because when you're not that, then you force yourself to get placed into that box. But when you're comfortable being you and that authenticity shows, you are able to make the transition seem easier for yourself or more comfortable. But on top of that, the more authentic you show yourself, uh, the, the easier it is for people to understand. Right. Less people question it. If you if – you're- if you're kind of wavering on it and feel like, ooh, am I, can I do this? Can I be a painter? Like, then you're going to get a lot of backlash from it. And, but if you're more confident in it, then people are going to 
accept it and be like, oh, that's cool. I mean, you'll always get those people that are going to chime in and, and <clears throat> place their opinion where they probably shouldn't have an opinion. Mm -hmm. But um, but yeah, it's all about you know how you present it to other people because people just mirror that back to you. That's a that's a really good point of sticking with it too and committing to what it is that you either say you're doing or say you want to do. Mm -hmm. um, I know we've talked about this in the past, but there's there's always a big disconnect between what people say they do or say they want to do and what they actually do. So I, of course I want to start working out more, but do you actually start working out more? There's a big disconnect there. And right. going back to Joaquin Phoenix, who you mentioned earlier, when he did that whole um, sort of Kind of went rogue. Like. Went rogue thing. Kind of <laughs> people legit thought he lost his mind. Yeah. Um. And there, and he he straight committed to it for a good period of time. Came out that movie. The movie kind of flopped. It didn't really do as well as he thought it would for this whole sort of performance art piece that he was creating. But it didn't matter. He he was so committed to it and convinced so many people that he had lost his mind that right after that he ended up getting some of the biggest roles that he's had in his entire career. Mm -hmm. Yeah. he's now like the new face of Hollywood all of a sudden. Right. Um, Same with Oprah. I mean, when she started her own network, people like crapped all over that and was like, yes, Oprah. No, no. Has anyone ever crapped on Oprah? Are you serious? Yes, they did. <laughs> they were like, yes, Oprah's finally failing. Like people were excited about it. Like I swear <laughs> to God, I remember it because I was really excited for the content and people are like, it's failing. Yay. Like Oprah like isn't, can't do everything. And like, but it has been, it now is wildly successful. And I mean, that that is the point. When you believe in something, it, it may take you a while to get to that place of feeling confident in it and for other people to mirror that back. So if it is difficult for you, but you still feel connected to that dream, that goal, that title that you want, don't let the insecurity or the voices or the opinions of other people sway you off path. I mean, that's how I felt when I went from a full-time job to now doing freelance. People, all, everyone wanted to tell me to go find another full-time job. And, and, and it really upset me. And it easily threw me off my path. But I was so committed to not having a full-time job because it wasn't right to me that it now has finally worked out. And, and now I feel like really confident in where I am and, and I don't need a full-time job to feel um, qualified and confident in what I know and what I what I offer to people. Yeah, I actually was just talking to my dad a couple of days ago and he was like, I want to make sure you're not, you don't become a one-trick pony and I was like, I was like, I got to do a better job of telling you what we do with Ideal Love and then because that's like <laughs> what we're like helping people with is not becoming one-trick ponies. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. What do they say? Like you teach what you have to learn. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh, exactly. That's, that's worth. Well, and that goes back to the authenticity and trust, right? It's like you, you know, what qualifies you to do this? Well, I spent five years of my life going through exactly what you're going through right now, which is why we look up to people a few years older than us and try and learn from what they've been through. And it's like, yeah, well, of course I'm going to ask you questions. I'm going to ask my older brother questions about things um, because he's he's has that experience and it's more experience than I have. And mm -hmm. I, I love this quote um, where it's like uh, someone was going to teach a class. I'll just say my dad was going to teach a class <laughs> in college. I don't know if he's going to be happy with me sharing this story, but um, he, he, he was going to go teach and my mom turns to him and says, what do you know about that topic? 
And he just says, I know more than the students. Right. Isn't that kind of all that matters is like that you have something to offer somebody that yeah. they don't have already. Absolutely. A hundred percent. And that's, that's the same thing in any sort of expertise field where you go to a conference, right? And you look at someone and they've created the business or you buy their book or, or whatever it is. It doesn't mean that they're done growing. It doesn't mean that they're not still learning things. That's why they do version 2.0 of, of their right. book. Um, it's because they have at least a couple of years experience on you and that's that's enough to make it valuable. I think mm -hmm. it's funny how information is treated so much differently than tangible things. Like that, uh, what you just said about, isn't that like why we go to people? Because they know what we want to know or they've, they've learned what we want to learn. And like that's like that's just how the world works, right? Like I go to the grocery store because I can't grow my own fucking like I don't have a garden in my in the back lot. Yeah. Uh, you know, like I go to the gas station because I don't have my own gas. I, like this is how the world operates. You go to other people for things because you don't have the resources or you don't have the knowledge or information to do that on your own. But yet, even though that works with every, you know, that's how commerce operates. When it comes to information, people are like a little bit more skeptical of why should I pay you for this information? Right. Yeah, it is because it's not a tangible thing. So it's hard to feel that trust that you're going to pay for something that isn't a physical good and you're going to get what you expect to get out of it. I think people are so afraid of getting like gypped or cheated. Well, because, as I was saying before, that there's so many people out there doing, playing in this world of offering services, right? And there are Not, a lot of scam artists. Right. And, there's, and people have been burned or they've heard stories of people being burned. So they're a little more wary of when, of when they commit to something or, or put their money down. And you can't blame them because, because that's, that's what they know. Is that you know some some things are good and some things are shady and some things are gonna you know leave you feeling crappy and and it's a risk when they say yes to something so again treat the people that show up for you with the utmost respect and know that you have a really great responsibility to them to deliver you know great content that they're expecting to get from you. Also exists in physical products too. So I mean, you mentioned that information is treated this way, but you look at anyone who buys a Mac or an iPhone, an iPhone especially, within six months to a year, the, the, the time the first update rolls around, they're already distrusting Apple and saying, "Look, they're already phasing out my phone and blah blah blah, trying to make me buy the new one." Until the day they buy the new one, and they're like, "Yes, I'm <laughs> back on top." Until the slow decline, until the next phone again. And, yeah. Um, but that's, but that's to the point of like always reinvent yourself. Like Apple is a great case. Like they're always reinventing and being better. And that's the same 
thing with your own personal brand. Reinvent yourself. Become become new in what you were saying before and learn new things and offer new products and, and keep expanding and growing. And that's how you'll keep people trusting you and on board with whatever you're offering. See, I find that interesting because there are some people who don't, who they're always, they're always growing. They're always doing new things, but they don't necessarily, let me rephrase. So there's an example with Jerry Seinfeld. Where mm-hmm. He was on an interview um, and right after Seinfeld ended, he ended at the top of his game. He, they, they purposely canceled it um, or brought it to no, a close. They purposely, that's what he, he gets canceled. mad when it's called canceled. He ended it. He ended it <laughs> and he brought it to a close while he was on the top. He didn't want to phase out. And right afterward, he was offered just all sorts of money to create a sitcom network and to go become this you know, sitcom and empire. And um, he turned it all down. And he's like, because there's a big difference between creating comedy and doing my one show that was very specific. It was me and Larry in a room writing. That's it. No, no phones, nothing. Just me and Larry writing. Like there's a big difference between that format and all the crap sitcoms that came out after that. And, and he was saying how if you put him in the role of leading you know a sitcom network he would have totally failed at it because that's not his expertise that's not what he's qualified to do and that's nor is that what he wants to do what he's qualified to do is everyday right jokes mm-hmm. and what he's qualified to do is try and create new onstage comedy and build that rapport with the audience yeah. and then he ends up coming out uh with you know comedians and cars getting coffee years later on Crackle of, of all things, which is now becoming some actually a pretty cool established online network. And and you just can see in the way that he acts and the way that he does things that there he doesn't take any of that external pressure. He just keeps doing the things that he feels qualified to do and he feels confident to do and he wants to do. And he keeps moving those things forward. Yeah. Well, I think that's key that you have to, that's all authenticity of, you know, finding that inner compass of where you feel you're supposed to be, your direction is, and and following it. I actually wrote a blog called, We're All Just Baby Sea Turtles. And it's, and it's because, to give a quick like biology lesson, like baby sea turtles, mom comes up, you know, from the sea, lays the eggs on the land and leaves the babies. And when the babies hatch, they're totally blind and they have to find their way into the water again. And they have this like knowing and almost like gravitational sense, like they can sense where the water is, this like pulling them forward. And I think that's how we are as humans. Like if we just are quiet enough and get better, if we get in touch with who we are and what we want and what makes us happy and and where we feel fulfilled, we'll find our way back home too. That's that's a really, I've never thought about that analogy before, but that's really... <laughs> yeah, we're so we sea turtles. No, I like it though, I like it though. Uh, speaking of your blog posts, uh, I actually was just reading one earlier today about uh, the movie You've Got Mail and that Netflix show Chef. Yes. Um, and this this plays back into the whole like, you know more than me and subject A kind of thing, and so therefore mm-hmm. you're qualified. Like, 
Okay, first off, I'm going to admit I have not seen You've Got Mail. I know, I know. I just, it's my favorite. I, I oh, to... <laughs> you're breaking, like, every girl's heart right now. All right, so I'll go home and watch I love it how dated it is, too. Right. <laughs> right. I just um, outed myself. Damn it. Uh, I haven't seen that, nor have I seen this show, Chef. Um, nor have I necessarily thought about that what you talk about in that blog post in that matter before. So for me, it's like, all right, Chelsea's taking the time to not only watch these movies and shows, but actually analyze them and then extract Oh, it was all them. research. It was totally all research. Right. <laughs> exactly, yeah. That's... 15 years of rewatching exactly. that research. <laughs> I, have, right. I have tested. You've got mail. <laughs> no, but like it's like she actually was interested in this enough to not just like watch it, but actually like look at like how can this apply to, you know, this situation and how can I extract knowledge from this and present it to people where I was like, okay, yeah, like she's got my vote of confidence because She's taken the time to do something that I haven't and wouldn't. Oh, thank you. Well, I mean, I mean, I'll, I'll I go watch it, okay? But... <laughs> <laughs> no, I think it's. I think the point there is that, like, you know, I didn't have to be an expert in social media to talk about it, but I just found something really interesting. And if anybody wants to read the blog, it, I was just pulling. I was making an observation how. Um, traditional media is kind of creating a timeline for what is happening in our lives in terms of the digital world. So starting with You've Got Mail, how mail started, you know, you sign on AOL, the long dial-up tone, like that's, those are memories that are now captured for me from a traditional media source. And this, this movie Chef is all about how Twitter, you know, kind of blew up his whole career and then rebuilt his whole career. And that's very true with people today. Like you can say a tweet and it can totally, you know, blow up in your face or you can get really awesome followers and, and it can make you into, you know, a, a, a star, which I think like Chrissy Teigen is kind of a, I mean, yeah, she's a, a supermodel, but she's created so much more from just being a really great presence on. Yeah, she's John um, Legend's wife. Like, yes. I mean, so that helps too, but she's also been really present on Twitter and I, she has like a huge following. So, so that's basically what the blog was about, but I just found an officer. I observed something that I thought was really cool and, and I felt confident enough to rate it and share it with everybody. And, and that's what made me feel that, you know, qualified to rate that, you know, I, I'm not, I wasn't talking about Twitter stats and how this can do because I don't know that, but I, I talked to something that I did know. So to pull it full circle of like, <laughs> I only write about things that I feel confident that I am qualified to make a point on. That, that actually plays nicely into another thing I wanted to bring up, which is um, kind of understand. So like going back to the idea of like the, the ego part of it or the internal perception we have of oh, like really like what qualifies me to do this? Should I be trying that kind of mentality that we get often? Um, it's kind of understanding your intent with what you're going to do. So like in your case, like with that blog post, like you were doing something productive out of it, but it was like a fun thing you could do that you could wrap into, you know, your material. It was you didn't write that for the sake of showing like effective Twitter campaigns, right? Right. No. Um, five new hacks. Yeah, exactly. Right? <laughs> like you won't believe what, what, what she got from this pill, like that kind of shit. <laughs> um, but like understanding what your... did she get from the <laughs> <laughs> doctors hate her uh, was that clickbaiting or like yeah, headline yeah. Um, the like the intent is so important when someone thinks about am I qualified to take this out or am I qualified to go out and do this like uh, an example I can use personally is 
like is golfing. So like for me, I love to golf and I'm like okay at it at best. Like I, I'm on the scale of okay to kind of good. <laughs> and I used to get really pissed like when I would go out and golf and like my drive would shank to the right or I would, you know, like miss that 20 foot chip and it would you know go over the green instead of onto the green. And then I was like, you know, like, why do I care so much? Like, it's just a leisure activity that I do. I'm, I know, like, it's not something that, like, I play often enough to ever really get good at. Like, to, honestly, to be good at golf, you got to be playing every weekend. And, like, like my dad, he's a really good golfer, and he plays and two to three then. times a week. Even then. <laughs> what? Yeah. Even then. It's, yeah. Yeah. But, like, I swear, and I was like, why am I getting so pissed at all this if I'm not even... Like it's just an act. It's just a fun activity to do, and I don't play it enough to really get good at it. Why am I getting mad that I'm not good at this sport? But then it's like I take something like um, like idea eleven. Like this is something that is my passion. Something that I'm trying to you know build a, a lifestyle around and all that stuff. So like when something goes wrong or when like like for instance like Martin the email I sent you this week, I was like, hey, I feel like. We should be making more progress than we are. Like we need to start ramping up our game. Here are my ideas. Um, like that's something that because my intent is so much greater with it and so much different. Like it's okay to to kind of get pissed about or not pissed about, but like to care more about it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is why I... there's so many channels out there to put your content. You know, um, if you just want to be casual about your interests, you're on Twitter sending out you know, retweets and things like that. If you want to be seen as the most qualified expert, you sell courses or you consult or you, mm -hmm. you know, do all those different types of things. And there's a huge spectrum in between. Uh, I guess you know, the most experts you create, you know, an entire startup around it or something like that. But um, there's lots of tangents and branches and gradients in between there that are different levels of expertise. And so, it's not, am I qualified, and now I'm always qualified. It's, am I a little bit more qualified today? And then tomorrow, you do some more work, and you're a little more qualified. And then you do some more research, you watch, you've got mail, and you make some connections, and you're a little more qualified. And then you go consult, and you're a little more qualified. And, and you just keep doing that until you have enough of a following that we talked about at the beginning to have an impact with the things that you've, over, over time, built the qualifications for. Yeah. Yeah, I think I I think that the more qualified you feel and the more confident you feel, the bigger your platform gets. So the more people you can talk to. And it just isn't natural evolution. And as long as you stay true to the authentic part of you and you're giving good advice, you're making good observations, you're producing great content, it will grow. Um, you know, but people do make fatal errors where they see they're getting some sort of following and they sell some sleazy scam and they lose it all. So slow progress is okay. I've come to terms with that with myself too. Like moving forward is moving forward. So be proud of that. You know, you don't have to have a product, you know, a, a 12 week course to sell to people tomorrow. Like you can just put out a blog and be really proud of that. And and that's momentum forward. And just keep leaning on that and it will get you to where you where you dream of and probably further than what you are dreaming of today. Yeah. And we can all be blind turtles. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we can all be baby sea turtles together. 
And that's just, it's what I think what's, what goes along well with that is the, like, just owning yourself that you're in the process of learning something, right? Like, whether you call yourself an expert, whether you call yourself supremely qualified, day one is not where that happens. It's mm-hmm. you gain that level of expertise over time. So just acknowledge, like, you know, no one who starts doing these things who's successful at them says on day one that they're an expert. Right. And if you they are, shouldn't. then you're being phony. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so it's like, it's okay to like, if you're, if you're taking on something new and you're talking to someone about it, let's say, just acknowledge like, and be real with them. Like, you know, I'm really interested in learning in this stuff. So this is what I'm working on right now. Yes. And then when you've learned enough of that and you feel like you're at a certain point, then it's like, okay, now I'm super qualified for this. Well, yeah. And that's a distinction we've made before, which is. Um, calling yourself an expert versus other people looking to you as an expert, uh, there is a difference. Mm -hmm. And anyone can call themselves an expert, right? I mean, you might need a qualification to call yourself a doctor. Uh, Years and years of schooling and all that good money. I'm a doctor. Trey. Of of (laughs) (laughs) thugonomics. Mr. Pibb isn't even a real doctor, man. Um, Is that Mitch Hedberg? (laughs) That's Mitch Hedberg. Um, dude didn't get his degree, but no, I, I think that there is a lot to that. Of Well, so I just went to a workshop actually on Saturday. It was about, um, you know, how to build your business through social media and traditional media. And there were two women there, which obviously I felt they were qualified or else I wouldn't have bought a ticket to this workshop. But she was, she is now, um, a very well-known relationship coach and she has been featured on the Today Show and in tons of magazines and on the Steve Harvey Show. But she said she started by just calling herself a flirting expert because she felt like that was true. She knew how to flirt. Her friends would ask her how to flirt. Like, you know, she would teach her friends at the bar how to flirt. And like, she felt confident in that. And then eventually she felt confident enough to call her a relationship expert, but she didn't start there. You know, so start where you feel comfortable starting and like own that spot and know that you don't have to stay there and you shouldn't stay there. And, and you're going to keep moving forward to, to the next step that you feel comfortable calling yourself. So be happy with where you are and, and, and enjoy the journey, which is so much easier said than done. And so I, and don't hate me for saying that, but, but if you can relax into it and, and say like, okay, where I am now is cool. It's just a starting point and I'm, I look forward to where it's going to go. And you just kind of let it be and follow, then you'll have a really wild, fun ride. Absolutely, it's um, it goes back to not, not to plug my TED talk, but, oh, okay. but, but <laughs> we're over it. <laughs> <laughs> but what what I was what I said in the talk was that um, we hold ourselves back from doing things because we focus on the outcome, and we you know we don't ever start that business or create whatever or talk to that person because we think, oh, I'm not that. But you become that by making daily progress or weekly progress or monthly yes. progress and taking it little by little. And and when you you um, you go down that route instead of the outcome route, you become tied to the process and curious about the process. Right. And that and the sustains pro- the knowledge. Right. And that and that process like not every day do you have to do something grand. Like you can just send an email to somebody that moves your process forward and you'll feel good about that. So like it's also like lightening up on the pressure that you put on yourself. Like it's like the small steps are 
as important as those big steps too. So, you know, don't be so judgmental of your process. Chelsea, where can our listeners find you? What are you working on? What do you want to share with them? Yeah, definitely. Um, so everybody can come to just ask why, and that's the letter Y dot com. Um, I'm pretty sure if you search my name, Chelsea Kastner, too, if, um, you can find me that way. Um, but I am working on, and I'm pretty excited about it, getting a bunch of people that I have felt are experts and qualified in certain fields, such as finances and body image and health, skincare, health. And I'm going to do, be doing short video um, interviews with them. So I'm going to be putting together a video series for people, quick digestible content, things that maybe we don't know and we should. So things that have surprised me. I think it's going to be new things that people haven't really heard yet in, in new ways. So definitely sign up on my newsletter so that, um, you know, you can stay in contact and, and I would love to hear from anybody who has a thought on what I said tonight or wants to know more about me or has a topic they would like me to explore. It's my favorite thing to do. So. Awesome. Sounds great. So then to wrap this up, let's all go one by one and, and give our answer to the question. Uh, Martin, would you like to lead up? I was just going to say, let me go last. <laughs> yes, yes. All right. So, just always go so, last. So, Martin, when you think about this question, what's your answer to? What makes you qualified to do this? Um, I think what makes you qualified to do the things that you want to do is your confidence in getting started. Um, the only thing that disqualifies you is never creating your ideas. All right. I think for the first time ever, I'm going to make mine short and sweet because I usually am long-winded with my response to this. No, really? <laughs> my answer is that what makes you qualified to do this is an interest in learning the topic, is having more of an interest in learning the topic than someone else. Mm. Okay. And I'll say what makes you qualified to do this is just having the passion and feeling like you have something to say about it and putting the momentum behind it to fuel you forward to actually doing it. So feeling like you actually have something to say and then putting the time and energy to fuel that feeling thought forward. Love it. Very cool. All right. Don't forget about trust. Let's play out on some trust songs. Oh, yeah. Trustful. <laughs> trust, 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 authentic, authentic, like trust, trust. Ted talk, Ted talk, mine, mine. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> and assemblies, school yeah, assemblies. <laughs> Parachutes. <laughs> Go ahead and stick a fork in this conversation because it is done. Thank you, Chelsea, again for joining us for that. We had a wonderful time exploring this topic of how our egos impact our own perceptions of ourselves how the opinions of others can influence our decision-making and our behavior, and, and again, our opinion of ourselves, all in the name of 
helping us figure out what qualifies us to do this. If you want to check out Chelsea's work, head over to JustAskWhy.com and see all the cool things she's doing there. Questions about our show? Email us at GetFreshAtIdeaLemon.com and of course check out the cool stuff we're writing on IdeaLemon.com, the website. Show credits real quick. This episode featured clips from the movie Catch Me If You Can, the song Fawcett by Earl Sweatshirt, and of course this theme song you're listening to now is Summertime by Chris Leamy. Shout out again to Chelsea Kastner for joining us. For Martin McGovern, I'm Rajiv Nathan. This has been the Discover Your Inner Awesome podcast. Until next time, we'll see ya. Just the same time. Ay, ay, na 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 na